Welcome, everybody, to the Longhorn Republic, your source for Texas Longhorn news, sports, and opinions with a bit of snark built in. We are a podcast of Burn Orange Nation, and you can find more great Texas Longhorn content over at burnorangenation.com. Before we get started today, I'd love to remind you, if you like what we do, please leave us a rating or a review on Apple Podcasts. It helps get the show out there. Share this with your friends wherever you found it, whether it was Apple Podcast, Google Podcast, Stitcher, TuneIn, Spotify, all of the major players in podcasting. You can find our show. You can also follow us on social media at Longhorn Pod on Twitter, the Longhorn Republic Podcast on Facebook, and you can always shoot us an email, LonghornRepublicPod at gmail.com. Well, my name is Gerald Gittridge, your congested co-host, and I'm joined today by a man who's already put in his application to be the University of Texas Offensive Coordinator. Kyle Carpenter. Kyle, how are you? Uh, I'm great. I have some free resume advice for everyone out there. Two things. First, you want as many pages you can get. It shows you're important. Second, give them a, a font that they're not used to seeing, so they're digging through the stack. It stands out. Papyrus is nice. Comic Sans, something like that. Um, and and third, and most of all, use lots of pictures um, in your resume. So um, if any of you want to apply for the, the vacant openings posted on the University of Texas website, take those tips and apply is chiller still a font in microsoft office i haven't looked um but it seems like what i'd like to use no really all you need to do to apply kyle is send them a screenshot of the consecutive national championships you've won as the head coach in ncaa 14 that's right <laughs> you're absolutely right <laughs> it's been six years now so we should have at least 73 consecutive national championships including back-to-back <laughs> heisman winners and number one recruiting classes i'm just saying it's the easiest way to go show your offensive prowess now so we're back we're going to talk a little bit of some coaching updates basketball having a really good start to the season so we'll talk a little bit of basketball we didn't do it on monday because well we went an hour and eight minutes so we're going to down the 40 today and do the burnt orange lenses as well so the texas longhorns after a kind of a quiet Monday and Tuesday, some rumors started heating up and some reporting started heating up about what's going on in the coaching search. And it seems like Tom Herman is focusing primarily at least to lock down the offensive coordinator position first. And so Graham Harrell has seemingly emerged as the leading candidate for the offensive coordinator. Uh, Anwar Richardson reported that Herman reached out to Harrell, uh, but Texas is still in play for Joe Brady. But either way, Herman wants to move fast. Eric Nalen uh, reported that Herman is meeting with Harrell on Wednesday in Houston. Uh, Harrell is actually in the Houston area recruiting for USC. Uh, now, there is, it does seem to be some competition for Graham Harrell services, at least it would seem. His name has been tied to conversations around the head coaching position at UNLV and UTSA. And all in that, USC announced that they were retaining Clay Helton. There's a lot going on. A lot of moving pieces, Kyle. Yeah, it's 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 interesting. Again, if, if Texas um, fans, the most ardent of which are to be believed, then none of that matters. They could be offering them the head coach job at USC, and you'd still want to be offensive coordinator at Texas' best position in the country, obviously. Um, do you remember, Gerald, it was a wild NBA offseason when, when Paul um, Pierce copy and pasted pictures of emojis and, and uh, DeAndre Jordan may or may not have been kidnapped um, and it was a couple years ago and it was very, very crazy. And it was a time for social media. Do you recall that? I, I do. They were, they were like texting Kevin Durant from the parking lot after the finals and yep, all sorts yep. of stuff. 
So so during that time, I was at uh, El Tiempo, a nice uh, local Mexican establishment here in Houston, um, and I saw this very giant head in the back corner tucked away um, while people were saying that he was locked inside his house. I actually saw DeAndre Jordan sitting at El Tiempo um, and tweeted it out. I don't know why it didn't go viral. Um, but, uh, but yeah, so I, I have been scouring the greater Houston Mexican restaurant uh, – sphere to see if i could find graham harrell uh and and tom herman sharing a uh a plate of pu- uh, puffy tacos or, or enchiladas and 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 discussing the finer points um however i've come up empty-handed this time but it, it is exciting they are in houston uh if you uh, believe all the reports um potentially talking this out um so it's it's a the first die has been cast like you said there are many moving parts um i mean First of all, like Harold has a short track record, but a good enough track record that you think UNLV and I don't know, UGSA has the cachet of being in Texas and um, it could be something of a sleeping giant because they're the only game in town. Um, but you have to think if he comes to Texas and does a good job at offensive coordinator that bigger head coaching spots will, will open up, right? That Those may not be big enough uh, dominoes to sway him, in my opinion. Uh, the I think the thing that, I was asking, I was talking in the, the Burn Orange Nation, the VON Slack channel, and nobody knows if them keeping Clay Helton is a good thing or a bad thing. Cause yeah. There's seemingly some disagreement uh, between Helton and Harrell, and Graham Harrell did an absolutely incredible job at USC as the offensive coordinator. They were the number 19 offense in the country this year, and last year they were the number 84 offense. So, and they did it this year with the third string quarterback. They had two quarterbacks get injured. So that's like, that's a big turnaround. And I don't know. I don't know what, because I think if Gra- wherever Graham Harrell ends up, I think if the head coach gets fired, they just promote him. And so I really think he has to ask himself, like, do I stay at USC and hope Clay Helton gets fired? Or does he do enough? Does he win eight games over the next couple of years and this pushover AD doesn't fire him? Or do I go to Texas, see what happens with Tom Herman, and parlay that into a bigger job either way? I think that's the question he's asking himself. Yeah, and, and I mean, it was even before this season coming in. It, it was a, a Helton's on the hot seat type of season. People thought, you know, even with their starting quarterback, they didn't have maybe enough around it to guarantee some some early victories and it could get out of hand quick. Um, but, you know, again, to their credit, I think in a lot of that has to do with Harold. He probably saved Helton um, his job with that off coming through and them getting a number by their name um by the end of the season in the final uh playoff ranking so i think um you know i i think it's an interesting thought with if there's stability and you know the system already you know what you have there um is the texas offer an instant upgrade because it's not like you're leaving uh ucla or leaving you know another California school it's it's USC um which again like Texas at its peak when it's good is the biggest game in town uh and on the whole you know western half of the country for the most part so I don't know I mean again there have been I've seen a couple people uh, I think uh have some measured takes on this that Texas could go out here and could uh could swing and miss and and, and that's okay it's it's not embarrassing. It's not ashamed. It's it's not as though we're coming off, um, you know, an eleven win season and our offensive coordinator got hired to be the head coach somewhere and we're filling a you know uh, golden vacancy or something. This is a, a team that uh, 
had to move its offensive coordinator to a different position and create an opening because the offense, though they, they did find in the last game, cratered a little bit during the season. So, uh, you know, it's 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 interesting. The I think the allure of Sam Ellinger as your quarterback, though, um, for a season will be an interesting thing for a lot of uh, a lot of people who look at this position and say, hey, you could do a lot. I mean, Joe Brady needed one year uh, of Joe Burrow, and he turned him into a Heisman if not winner, I will be very shocked. Um, and himself into a very, very hot prospect in his first year. So sometimes all it takes is one year of a great quarterback. And, and I think that's that's part of the appeal. I'm not the it's Texas kind of guy. I don't think Texas has the name. Honestly, I think probably a lot of people don't want to go to Texas because of how volatile. I think the stat yeah. was uh, in the last six years, Texas has had 15 different coordinators calling plays. And so, like, that's, that's a ridiculous number. Um so like that is, and maybe it was not six, maybe it was seven, because uh, you got to get that last Mac Brown year in there. So um, the fact, the fact of the matter is, like, if I, I think I said it on Tuesday, like I'm fine with this being a one or two year rental if it makes this job a prestigious job. If it makes the Texas coordinator job a prestigious job, a kingmaker kind of job, like it should be then I'm okay. It's not that yet. And it's Texas is not a selling point. A lot of times for people that want some job stability, it's not. And so I think if Texas can turn this into a, Hey, let's hire a guy that we know we're only going to get for a year or two and entice them with, Hey, a guy that has some talent that you can win a Heisman with. Oh, and by the way, you also have three top 10 or four top 10 recruiting classes to tinker around with, including what 10 of the the top 50 wide receivers of the last three seasons. Like they've got a lot of chess pieces and that's a lot of toys for an offensive coach to play with. Now, one coach we know Texas is not going to get for sure. Uh, A guy that was floated around pretty heavily for the wide receiver coaching position, Rashad samples announced via Twitter on Wednesday that he would be staying at SMU. So that's kind of a big, uh, big miss for Texas, but I don't think it was highly likely. And there's talks about is samples more of just a recruiter and less of a wide receivers coach. That's neither here nor there. There hasn't been a ton of smoke around the defensive coordinator spot yet. Herman is seemingly moving fast around that offensive coordinator hire. So I think that's going to be the report. And then you've seen a couple of times, a couple of reports, a couple of reporters floating it out there. This is an interesting name because the special teams job uh, is currently filled by uh, a guy that we kind of want uh, out the dough, but if that happens, a guy to keep in mind, and there would be some interesting symmetry if Texas hired Graham Harrell, would be uh, Houston special teams coordinator Blake Gideon, who famously dropped many interceptions, but one incredible interception uh, that led to Texas missing out on Colt McCoy's first shot at a national championship. Uh, he, at Houston, led the top block punting unit in the league, the number 17 kickoff return defense, uh, number two in net punting. And then they also have two punt return and two kick return touchdowns four special teams, touchdowns total to Texas is I believe zero this year. So um, if, if they do decide or something happens with Wareheim, that's a guy I named to keep in mind. Yeah. That's a really interesting one. Um, I, I would be surprised if, if a guy like Gideon was, you know, content with only being a special teams coach. Um, he obviously, despite some, some shortcomings and a few crucial plays, um, he, he obviously, uh, had a great career at Texas. Um, and so I think, 
you know, it, it, he can add something on, on the defensive side of the ball uh, as well, pending that, like you said, defensive coordinator higher if he wants him there. I think there is an order of operations here. I think it looks like Herman is, is really focusing, you know, wants to move quick on the offensive coordinator. Once that's locked in, they will look uh, at the defensive coordinator. Again, they're, they're interim set with, with Nivar, who was the co-defensive coordinator. Um, so, so that might even be something that they can they feel like they can wait until after the bowl game. Um, but uh, but it does seem like it'll have to go offensive coordinator, probably then defensive coordinator, and then uh, any other uh, positional coaches like that would, would be kind of with the agreement of the uh, of the coordinators who are brought in. Because you do want to give um, those people the opportunity to fill those spots the way you know they see them. Um, in hashtag alignment, of course, with the head coach. So very interesting stuff. Um, I I wouldn't be upset about Gideon again. I, I've I've moved on. It's been a decade, um, but you know it, it is a, a really unbelievable symmetry to think about uh, to think about him coming on and the same staff uh, as a Texas Tech quarterback uh, comes into the game. So uh, whew, sorry, shudders a bit thinking back, but uh, yeah, I mean. It, it's interesting. I'll say that being a Texas player gives you some cachet um, as a Texas coach. There's a, there's a um, Oscar Giles obviously is an alum himself and has done a fantastic job, but there's always a Frank Ocam size hole in my heart, uh, especially with the job he's done with that defensive line in Baylor. So there's a lot of interesting former horns uh, who are doing a good job in the coaching, uh, the coaching world that, that could be options as we, uh, as we kind of trickle down and fill out the, the bottom parts of, of offense and defensive staffs. Yeah. I'm curious. Cause there's not, there aren't uh, any holes for a DB coach at, as it stands right now. Cause you got Washington still in there. At cornerbacks, you've got uh, Nivar, who's your interim DC, coaching safeties. And again, that is all pending on who do they hire as your defensive coordinator, right? So those guys will interview, and then you'll see who they'll retain. So there's still a lot of uh, balls up in the air as we juggle, and we'll keep you updated on that as the news comes in. But there's plenty of news to talk about for the Texas basketball team. They improved to a 7-1 and mark. Their only loss coming to a decent Georgetown team, uh, which two of their players were kicked off the team, uh, which is which that's bad stuff. Um, so Georgetown could potentially look like a bad loss as I lost two of their best players. Uh, but Texas fell to number 47 in the Ken Palm rankings. But despite that, they're still having the best start in the Shaka Smart era. They struggled uh, over the weekend uh, to get by McNeese State. It took a... Uh, Took a, took a little bit of an effort at the end to, to eke out a two-point win, but then they cruised past UAB on Tuesday uh, in the groundbreaking of the Moody Arena. Yeah, it's it's uh, it's an interesting spot for the team. Their, their win over Purdue continues to look great. Purdue is still sits at um, Ken Palm's number 13. That's going to be a Tier 1 um, win for them, which is, which is fantastic. Uh, unfortunately, outside of that right now, and they'll have plenty of opportunity right now, there's not... Uh, a ton of, of meat on that bone as far as uh, of wins that they have. And again, winning by two over McNeese on the one-year anniversary of the the unbelievable Radford upset from last year, um, even a 10-point win against a UAB team um, or a you know re- uh, relatively um, Prairie View A&M was a fine win. But, you know, they, they, they didn't just stomp and blow these teams out uh, in a way that we'll get a number next to their name right now at this point. However, seven and one's the best in the Shaka era. You cannot complain about that. Um, 
if they just keep beating the teams they should, which extends to uh, their opponent on Sunday, Texas A&M. Um, and I don't say that in jest. A&M's not a particularly great team, even though they have a very expensive coach. Why does that sound familiar? Um, mm, it's the Aggie <laughs> way. <It is> uh, <laughs> uh, but, you know, with, with Central Michigan and then um, Providence, they, they have a chance um, to get, you know, some, some decent uh, – really Providence out of those two decent resume wins that could be Providence could be a tournament team. Um, so it's, it's, it's interesting, right? The, the, the new year basically brings in big 12 play. They open with Baylor. So this is the last month. This is, if you go into big 12 play with one loss and I think 11 and one or 10 and one, whatever that is, um, that's a really good, that's a really good place. No one would ever be upset about that. Um, you you literally can't draw it up any better than that, especially when we thought we might have to play Duke. No one thought we were going to have less than one loss. So now it's just a matter of, even if you eke them out, if you have to squeak by it, it's a matter of, of just getting wins and not having the upset. But there was a couple things, I mean, just to, to dive in a little on those two games. The McNeese game, they made one more three-pointer than McNeese while taking 15 more shots, which just is a terrible, terrible shooting day. Um, luckily, they... McNeese didn't have a guy over uh they had one six eight and then a not not another guy over six six on the roster. So just being big by advantage, they they you know destroyed the rebounding, which actually kept them uh from losing that game. But then on against UAB they turned it around, they shot well. Um and two guys who I was excited to see were Andrew Jones and, and Courtney Ramey, who had been um had gone a little bit cold. The bucket was looking quite small. Um Ramey went three of six and Andrew Jones a career best six of eight from three point land. So both of them got it going. Jones tying his career high with twenty. So I mean there are some things to build on. Is this a perfect team ready to go into a tournament now? No, absolutely not. Is this a team that has weathered some storms already and, and come out the better of it for the most part? Sure. Uh, I'm fine with that. But, you know, I I would like to see them get a little more cohesive and have a really, really good win. Uh, and, hey, starting with A&M, that, that would be a good place to, uh, to start that and get a nice 30-point uh, molly whopping. Well, and I think the difference between last year's team and this year's team is that last year's team loses to McNeese State. Like, they, we literally saw it happen when they lost to Radford, like, a, almost a year to the date. And so I think that's that's the progress that you need is, like, when you're in – you, the, the term that they use on the solid verbal, which is my favorite kind of general college football, is, like, you got to win your clunkers, right? And so last year, Texas lost all of its clunkers. Yeah. And this year, Texas is winning its clunkers, and that's good. And, Kyle, to your point uh, about the Purdue win just looking better and better, at the time of recording, literally four minutes ago, uh, Purdue fo- closed it out over number five. UVA 69 to 40. Oh, nice. I didn't even see yeah. that. Fantastic. So that literally just happened. Like I just pulled up Twitter uh, because I got an alert and that was because Purdue beat Virginia by uh, basically th- almost 30 points. Breaking so news. that Purdue win just looks better and better. So like Kyle said, Texas is hosting A&M on uh, the 8th on Sunday. And we're looking, it looks like the Moody Center. A 2022 opening is that what we're looking at? Yeah, so they they broke the ground before that that uh, that last game, and and I did I did just want to make sure we mentioned it for the for the readers or the listeners who uh, may not have seen that or may not have heard anything. This is an opening next season. It's not like they uh, stuck a shovel in the dirt and this is the last season uh, in the drum. It's 2022 when it's expected to open. Um, it's it'll be a 10,000 seater, so the atmosphere should be quite a bit 
better, hopefully, because Texas has a lot of problems filling the 35-plus uh, thousand, maybe 40,000 Irwin Center. Um, so it, it'll be much more intimate, hopefully much more raucous uh, environment that will give a home court uh, advantage. But, and again, the, the really important part is that the Moody Center, as it's called, is because of a unbelievably generous $130 million grant from the Moody Foundation, and I believe uh, Chris Del Conte continues to earn every cent in his ability to get these things paid for, um, you know, without having to dip into uh, into the the state funds. I think that's there's probably a clause in his contract that as uh, he gets a percentage of how much money he saves the state and the university, and so we will continue to see these big numbers. So we didn't do it on Monday, so now is going to be the part of the week where we honor all of those sports and a little football that don't normally get the shine that they deserve, and we down the 40. So we will start with football really briefly because in the break, the Big 12 awards were announced. Uh, Not a surprising on the first team, Devin DuVernay named first team all Big 12 along with uh, Zach Shackelford, Brandon Jones, and Sam Cosme made it on the second team. Honorable mentions, Sam Ellinger, Cameron Dicker, Joseph Osai, and Malcolm Roach. So not much of that is surprising. I think Ellinger being honorable mention is a little tough to swallow at some points, but if you look at like those middle four, or like those four games toward the second half of the season, uh, it, it, if he if he played the second the first half and the second half the same, I think he would have been second team at least. Uh, but there's still a lot of football to be played for that young man. He's got at least another year in burnt orange. Yeah, I think I think there's uh, it's it's fantastic for the seniors to go out on the first team. Uh, Shackleford, you know. Get, Good for him for sure. Um, Duvernay, uh, though, I mean, just checking at the end of the season, he, as it is officially over now, led the nation in receptions uh, with 103. Again, bowl games could get wonky. We'll see how that um, comes out. The only person close to him is SMU receiver James Prosh, uh, who's at 102. So that will be the battle to watch in the bowl game. Uh, I don't. I'd have to go look at the Jordan Shipley. Um, big receptions here. I don't know if a Texas player has ever led the nation in catches, um, but DuVernay also in top four in receiving yards, number one in broken tackles. Um, just really by every you know metric, um, one of the three best, if not the absolute best receiver in the country. So um, good job, again, Bolitnikoff Award. Um, but the award that I'm most excited about, Gerald, you can have your Big 12 awards. The award that I'm most excited about is the Piesman. Dear listeners, I hope you're familiar with this. The Piesman, again, a portmanteau of pie and Heisman, is what it sounds like. It's 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 honor of the big fellas. The big boys get a chance to show their athleticism. Um, and it, it kind of started a little bit as a as a joke a couple years ago um, from formerly SB Nation, now BannerSociety.com, uh, the college football arm of SB Nation. Um, it, it shows people who transcend the position, and there was only 13 candidates, and one of them was Sam Cosme, for his unbelievable touchdown catch and run after the catch uh, against West Virginia, which is probably my favorite play of the season. Um, I don't know when that award is announced, uh, but I do know it is the most prestigious one in the country. So we will tweet out from the show, there is a voting 
for the Piesman Trophy. And so we'll tweet it out from the show. Let's get out there and support Sam Cosme because that's one of the best plays I've seen from Texas since uh, since the Rose Bowl. I'm just going to be really honest with you. So it's one of my favorites, and I love it. Speaking of awards and uh, winning things, the volleyball team officially clinched the Big 12 uh, tournament. They The tower was orange. It was also weirdly orange, I think, on the night that all of the coordinators got fired because of this. <laughs> but that's fine. Uh, with that win, they earned the number two overall seed in the NCAA tournament. It's their first time being a top four seed since 2016. And they won't have to play outside of Austin until the final four in Indianapolis. I'm a little frustrated by them being the number two seed because the number one seed is Baylor, who they swept in Austin and then played 3-2 against in Waco. So I'm just... That's a little frustrating to me, but you know what? It's fine because Texas got a pretty easy draw in their bracket. Honestly, it's uh, it's a little bit. Uh, I, I I don't know if Baylor's is significantly tougher per se, but the Texas draw looks very very likely that um, they shouldn't even break a sweat. They should they should sweep through most of the opening rounds of this tournament again. Knock on wood. I know people will be up for the tournament, but uh, those games will begin uh, this weekend. They take on University of Albany. Um, when you're listening to this, Thursday night at 7 p.m., um, and then the winner, assuming they win that, of UC Santa Barbara and Texas State the next day uh, on on Friday uh, at 7 p.m. Absolutely. So get out there and and just hop on. Hop on. It's on Longhorn Network, so hop on and watch that so the big 12 awards were announced as well uh, no surprise the lady's name you heard all year skylar fields was the unanimous big 12 freshman of the year texas had four land on the first team all conference Brianni butler logan Uggleston, skylar fields and Micaiah white uh jenna gabriel landed on the second team and then fields and asia o'neill were on the all rookie team so great seasons for those ladies and we're excited to see them in the tournament women's basketball continues to have an up and down start to their season uh they went to hawaii over thanksgiving which is not a bad little vacation spot for anybody uh but they went one and two in the tournament uh they lost to nc state who's a ranked team uh, the number 12 in the uh, number 12 in the country uh, 84 to 73 they beat unt on saturday 63 to 57 and then they lost to hawaii 73 to 60 to drop to four and four on the season so a tough start for the ladies so far yeah it's uh there there were a few bright spots um joiner holmes continues to be very very good she threw seven games um got seven double doubles um she did not get against hawaii in that eighth game um, but broke the texas record for double doubles in a season um set by anika uh and in 2012 with six so she's already got that now it's just um adding on for posterity but uh charlie colliers right on her heels has six double doubles through eight games also tying the single season record so um there are a couple players who are playing their butt off it just seems like the whole team can't really get it together um they'll have a chance to rectify that in the saddest change of scenery going from honolulu on sunday they travel to knoxville tennessee to take on tennessee i like it number one women's golf has uh, Caitlin Papp and Sophie Guo named to the final fall watch list for the uh, Anka Awards, I think, which is uh, collegiate golf's highest honor, which is which is a big deal in Texas, is uh, two of the ten players uh, tying Wake Forest for the only team to have multiples 
on that list. That's right. Uh, that's the Annika for the Annika Sorenstam, the Swedish uh, Tiger Woods, basically, if you recall from our childhood, Gerald. Um, but yeah, Texas, I believe, uh, had two on that list. The only uh, other team was Wake Forest. So two out of ten is, is pretty, pretty good for the ladies. That's... Uh, that's going to that's gonna continue to crescend through the holidays until they get back in the spring. All right, so let's go to our favorite segment of the week, Burn Orange Lens, as we look at the world with our Burn Orange colored glasses on. And we have to start in the NFL where football is good for the Longhorns and uh, especially good this week, the marquee matchup, the game of the season for sure. Um, a lot of people, fantasy implications on the line. The San Francisco 49ers coached. Obviously, by Kyle Shanahan, a former Longhorn, um, met the Ravens with their uh, trio of Longhorn greats. And the game came down topically, and as you just assumed it would, to a Justin Tucker walk-off field goal. And my dude, Justin Tucker, got to be on the podium and gloated and danced and uh, continued to be charming. Um, But... It was not only fantastic for for Mr. Tucker, it did move the uh, Ravens to the top of the NFL, um, NFL.com's power rankings for the league. And I thought it was interesting as I was looking through that. Ravens are number one, 49ers obviously um, up there too, even though they did lose that game. But the team that slid at number two, the teams we talk about most, Gerald, on this podcast, number two. The Seahawks with all them Longhorns. I uh, I feel like there's a, a relationship between the number of Longhorns you have on your team and the uh, the height on the uh, on the NFL power rankings. But can we just talk about how the Ravens and the Seahawks both are like the swaggiest teams on the face of the planet right now? Like the way that like Justin Tucker's never really been that dude, and Lamar Jackson has just got these dudes feeling it, and then the Seahawks receivers. Um, did the dance from the new edition if it isn't love music video after they scored a touchdown and like that's the greatest thing I've ever seen in my entire life I again like to credit that up to just the 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 uh, transformational thinking that started on the 40 acres that has permeated those teams whether uh, you you believe that or not um, three for the Ravens four for the Seahawks if you count swoops there um, Marquise Goodwin and coach I'm giving two for the 49ers the Saints in fourth I'm still going to give it to Malcolm Brown and then you know, well, Jordan Humphrey, of course, but so Longhorns all over the place. Um, back to college football, though, there were some uh, some interesting things all year. We've been tracking um, some of our uh, folks who were recently uh, or not so recently, but uh, a member of the uh, 40 Acres. And we'll start at the top with the good news. Mac Brown's going bowling, baby. Sally's letting him out. He's got his bowling shoes on. Obviously, he has his own ball. He's basically every scene from Big Lebowski. That's Mac Brown. Six and six after winning five total games up there in North Carolina, the the, the program in the two previous seasons before he got there. And again, the, the six losses, I, I don't have the stats, but probably a combined, like, let's say, 40 points or less. I mean, they were all really, really close, probably less than that. Um, Gerald, what what'd you think of Mac? And what'd you think of, of Mac being the coolest grandpa of all time? I absolutely loved it. So I did some research and apparently Mac is having seniors on the team 
pick out and teach him dances for after wins, which we all knew Mac was a player's coach, but that just, that just feels like a new level of player's coach to me. And so see, he made a comment. I think how you figured it out is he made a comment about how he had to make sure a player like was like was sure about this dance. Cause he wasn't super confident about the last one. <laughs> so it was really, really good. And I just, I just, for guys that like stuck around, like seniors that stuck around through two really bad years, it's just cool to see those kids being rewarded uh, to get to go to a bowl. Yeah, absolutely. I believe uh, it was the mop dance, which is which is very very cool. Mac, the world's coolest grandpa, we're rooting for him uh, in whatever bowl he gets to. In Saturn news, however, um, a man who 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 while very rich may not have the TikTok career of Mac Brown. Uh, Charlie Strong, yet again, getting paid a buyout to not coach college football. Fired from University of South Florida. Um, I don't know how many teams use a variation of the Hook'em Horns hand sign in the country, but he will be furiously Googling to see where his next possible job can be again, unless... He makes it to the defensive coordinator job at UT. I I just want a year of that buyout life because Chuck was double dipping, being paid by Texas and by uh, by USF. So he's only got a year left on his contract, so the buyout may not be that big. But hopefully, he was uh, investing wisely so he can enjoy some time on the uh, on the South Florida beaches. Chuck earned it. He's had he's had a rough couple years. Get some time with the family. Go watch. Uh, Go watch some Ravens games. Watch uh, future son-in-law Deshaun Elliott um, up there. You know it's uh, it's Chuck. You're still beloved. You had a tough run of it, but you're still beloved. Now another player who we all love and we've I think collectively been rooting for. He may have had the largest fan base in the country when you combine the entire city of Dallas and anyone in that Venn diagram who uh, also went to uh, UT and doesn't live in the city of Dallas. So those two populations put together may have had the biggest fan base in the country yes i'm talking mr uh dallas himself shane bouchel got a 10 win season this year gerald got the stangs looking good uh there are some crazy bowls that uh or bowl projections that put those two teams against each other i think smu would wipe the floor with texas in its current iteration but uh but yeah that could be fun who knows it's it's gonna be interesting to see because shane's got another year he he graduated. Doesn't he have another year? I think he because re- he redshirted his last year at Texas, so he should have two years of eligibility left, if I recall correctly. I I would have to do some research. I believe you're right. I believe this was his redshirt junior year. I think you're right. So oh okay. So he's got another year to build on an all conference season, which is just incredible. So I'm I'm glad to see that the kid who who. Uh, spurned OU is able to put things together well in Dallas. Uh, and I, man, I am absolutely going to have to buy one of those Dallas shirts. Like they have one with the big D and the, the pony on it. Like that might be the one that Gerald Springs for just to treat myself around Christmas time. Well, uh, if you drive down to Dallas to do it, I'll meet you there. Um, that, that, that's, that's fantastic for the kid. I didn't. I don't know why. I just thought grad transfer one year, but you're absolutely right. The redshirt year uh, gives him two. I hadn't been considering that literally all season long. So that just means we clearly are setting ourselves up for next year. The Stangs being the uh, the sleeper non Power Five team that 
sneaks into the playoffs to meet the Longhorns in the national championship game. Obvs. We've got to get some sort of reunion because the Charlie Strong in Austin reunion is no longer happening. And on that sad note, that's all we've got for you this week. Kyle, where can the good folks find you on the internet? Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Kyle Carpenter. Well, easy for me to say at Kyle Carpenter. You can also follow the Texas pregamer at Texas pregamer. You can follow me on Twitter. I am at GH Goodrich. Follow the show on Twitter at Longhorn Pod. Shoot us an email, LonghornRepublicPod at gmail.com. You can catch me on my other podcast, Two Woke Nerds. We talk about movies and video games and all sorts of fun nerdy stuff this week we're talking about the james bond trailer the black widow trailer and we'll check in on the best show currently running on tv Watchmen, because this last week's episode was kind of crazy thank you so much for tuning in again this week and until next time hook them hook them we'll always have at chuck fn strong 